It's the Sarah Rose story. My name is Glenn Klein. Sarah, what's the story? Hey, Glenn. All right. The story today is kink, BDSM, choking, dominance. That kind of thing is where we're going to go today. How's that sound? It sounds pretty kinky, frankly. <laughs> why, did, why, did you, why did you choose uh, this topic for show number two? So I've been running a uh, 12 Days of Christmas campaign on both of my Instagram pages. And yesterday, the question that I asked my followers on uh, the jujitsu page was about... Um, about what is their what kink has been revealed to them through uh, mat time through doing jujitsu, and then on my tantric activation Instagram page, the question was, "What is your kink?" And so, um, just the combination of responses that I've gotten on both the pages has been really entertaining, very interesting. Um, I've definitely got turned on. <laughs> reading through these answers i'm like ah just a second let me go take care of myself and then i'll come back and read some more (laughs) so i decided we should just go there it's already present and uh let's have some fun with it how's that sound i'm just having a little bit of an image myself right now frankly Sounds amazing. God, I mean, it's hard be having this job, you know? It's like, how do I actually work when I'm just turned on all the time? All I do is talk about sex. <laughs> well, you know what they say, sir. They, no, they, they say, if, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> you, know, you never have to leave your bedroom. Right? I mean, I do leave my bedroom. Thankfully, being um, a tantrika, I've learned how to channel all of this sexual energy that I have. So it's not just that I'm like, you know, pent up in my pussy, all this like horny energy. I'm able to like let it flow through my whole body and to channel it into like all these creations that I bring to the world. So that is the benefit of Tantra. One of the big ones right there. You got it from the source. (laughs) How do you, uh, how do you define Tantrika? Tantrika, someone that practices Tantra, you know, is like really devoted to it. Yeah, you know, it's definitely my my path in life is uh, the tantric path. I, Kali is uh, the the tantrika, the goddess that I most um, I don't know if identify is the right word, um, but that I resonate with. I think that's a better word for it. Yeah, and I love my Kali chants. Actually, this week I was like, you know what? On my way to jujitsu class, I'm gonna chant to Kali and see how this impacts the way I train and I did uh, both Monday and Wednesday on my way to class I was like chanting Kali chants like Maha Kali and I kicked ass both days I was like fuck yeah thanks Kali <laughs> thanks Geico <laughs> what 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 are the what do the chants sound like um I mean they're just like any of the uh, Hindu chants, um, they're really just repetitive, you know. Um, Maha Kali, over and over and over, pretty much. <laughs> and when you say that your tantric practice crosses over beyond just your actual sexual experiences, how does that manifest? So, for me, tantra is a whole lifestyle. Um, when it comes, like... The way I view life, my perspective on things, the way I uh, go out into the world, it's really, um, it's like, it's a non-dualistic path, so that's a big part of it, because we live in a very dualistic world of right, wrong, good, bad, you know, all that type of thing, and so Tantra helped me, and while I'm definitely not 100% there, um, because it's some some things are just hard to see is like like that's 
just seems like that's just wrong, you know, like how can I say it isn't wrong? Um, so not to say that I don't struggle, but it's definitely helped me have a bigger perspective and for me a more healthy perspective on life where it's not just like, oh, that's right, that's wrong, you know, and just being very dualistic about things. So that's a big part of the path for me. Uh, but also like Kali, her energy, she's the destroyer. Like she's very powerful and it's like destroying limiting conditioning. Um, and that's how I use her energy. Uh, so when I see something in my life that I feel is, or that I'm noticing is holding me back in some way, then I'm like, you know, just invoke that Kali energy of destruction and get that out of my life so that way I can be free of it. And I use all of this very metaphorically. Like, I don't actually believe that, you know, Kali is a goddess out there. Um, I believe that she's one of the stories that uh, have been created, and she's a very powerful story. And that story really does have energy. And our primal brain uh, doesn't respond to like words and thoughts, but it does respond to imagery to, and that's where mythology is very um, impactful. And that's how it really like the, the archetypes can really help us when we're trying to create new things in our lives because the primal brain, which is the part of our brain that controls most of what we do in life, it understands these archetypes. So like if I'm doing some sort of visualization practice and then I'm using the archetype of Kali, I'm using it very consciously to connect with the primal part of, of my brain to get results that I want to get in life. So that's the way I use them. You know, I don't um, necessarily believe that uh, these deities exist or have existed, but that doesn't diminish the power of the story and the power of the way we can use them to impact our lives. Which is one of the reasons you decided to name your podcast, The Sarah Rose Story. Absolutely. Cause it's all about the stories, yeah. right? <laughs> well, I mean, the, and, the story yes. one tells oneself, whether it be in tantric practice or by meditating or contemplating these other stories really sets the tone and, and, and sets the destination uh, for your journey. Yeah, it really does. And I, I feel like these, um, these stories, these archetypes, the mythology, like all these things have really been um, given a disservice in light of religion that made them into kind of like an omnipotent God figure because in that way, they're just being worshipped, and they're not being, um, I don't feel like they're really used to the full capacity that they're able to be used, that, you know, the real potential that's there to use these to powerfully transform our lives, to create the lives that we really desire. So, I just enjoy exploring, you know, and it's like, all right, this is the this is the goddess that I want to be today, or this is the goddess I want to be another day, and just playing with it and putting on that costume, per se, right, that ego, like, how do we go, what is our ego? Our ego is really just, like, what we put on to go out into the world, like, how we, the projection of ourselves is, like, so which of these... Uh, costumes do I want to wear today and which one's the most fun which one's going to serve me the most you know and just like play with it and create my life create my story on my terms the way that I want to it's my fucking life <laughs> which segues perfectly into today's uh, story topic which is kink and, and role playing is a huge part of the kink experience Oh, yeah. Well, so kink is interesting because so kink typically comes from. So, OK, let me preface this with I am a tantric 
sex coach. I'm not trained in kink. I'm not an expert in kink. I'm not an expert in BDSM. This is something that I enjoy. I have fun with. I have studied it. I have worked with Omrupani, who is a BDSM teacher and taught alongside him. Um, but this is not my field of expertise. So everything that I say, I'm saying this, you know, not coming from the full expert position, but I have some knowledge of it. So, so, so you're, you're not an expert, but you are an, an enthusiast. I am an enthusiast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I believe I that. I, maybe, I, I maybe doing jujitsu makes an expert in choking. <laughs> that might be about it. And I'm still a white belt there. Uh, so yeah. So kink, kinks usually come from um, some sort of association that we have that uh, impacts us sexually. So they've done studies in mice uh, where if the first time a mice mouse has sex with another mouse and that mouse smells like lemon, then they develop what would be called a kink to be um, attracted to mice with that smell like lemons. And so kinks come up from, you know, various situations in our life that impact us and become associated to our sexuality. And it's funny because you can actually like consciously develop kinks if you want. Like I've played with that. I've played with like trying like different associations and seeing how I can become attracted to something that I wasn't necessarily attracted to before. And it works. And you can actually also like the patterns in your brain, the conditioning that you have, the kinks that you have. Um, there are ways to uh, create new patterns in your brain. So if there's something there that you don't want anymore, you can create new associations. So it's definitely one of those stories that we're able to play with, um, you know, consciously do work around. So I, you know, I just enjoy playing with all of that. And, but yeah, kinks are definitely a fun thing to, uh, to play with. I have seen with some people though, like when their kinks are in control of them and that's not necessarily very much fun for, you know, that person or the person that they're having sex with. Like if you're having sex with somebody and they can only get off in one certain way, then, you know, and if that is their kink, then it it's really boring fast to be like, all right, I really don't want to have sex, like just to fulfill your kink every single time, you know? So, um, and I feel the people that have the kinks can often feel like, well, that they feel trapped in that as well. So I like to help people explore creating new ways, new patterns, variety of ways to experience their sexuality in pleasurable ways. There is a very popular show on Showtime called Billions that deals a lot with BDSM and kink. And Paul Giamatti plays uh, a attorney general of the state of New York. And his thing is he's a sub. I mean, he is definitely uh, a masochist. And it's a huge part of the theme of the show, but he's stuck on his kink. And his wife, who was into it at first, not so much anymore. So what would you say to somebody like Paul Giamatti or anybody in real life who are stuck on their kink? Uh, well, actually, in the Man on Fire group coaching program that I have, we spend six months creating new pathways of pleasure in the body. So it's a process. You know, it takes time to really into the the hows, the whys, um, the psychological, emotional stuff that is there for people around it. Uh, it's not necessarily an overnight thing, but if somebody really wants to do it, I've seen and I've experienced in my own life that it is possible to create new patterns. So you want to uh, dive into the mailbag here? Sure. All right, so we got this letter uh, appropriately. Uh, it's from Marty. Uh, from Minneapolis, uh, I'm assuming it's a guy, but uh, regardless, he asked, Sarah, what does it say about me that I'm a sub? 
I don't think that it necessarily has to say something about you, right? Just because you enjoy sexually sexuality in a certain way, like, and that's another one of those things about us making everything mean something. Like, can you can you just enjoy it? <laughs> can you just be a sub and just enjoy it without having to get into your head? and making it mean something, you know, I'm sure there are people out there that have all sorts of theories about what it does mean. Um, but be in your body, be in the sensations, enjoy the experience. Like just sexuality is one of the biggest pleasures of life. And so often we sabotage that pleasure by trying to, you know, make it mean something or not mean something or, you know, just making something, making it into something other than just this wonderful experience that's available to us. The implication of the question, or at least what I'm inferring from it, is that being a sub or submissive may not be considered masculine or from a position of power. But one thing that we know as sex coaches is that really the one that's submitting is actually, in my opinion, in the ultimate position of power. In a true dom-sub relationship that's a really healthy one, absolutely. The submissive is the one saying, this is my desire please fulfill this desire for me. And it's the dominance role to, you know, give the submissive the experience that the submissive is asking for. So yes, absolutely. The submissive is the one that is in the position of power. And also what we see often in life and what I experience in my life, I enjoy the role of the submissive. Like when I am um, doing in my personal life experiencing a dominant submissive relationship, I prefer the submissive role because in, in my life I'm on all the time, you know, it's like constantly on running my business, you know, in jujitsu, like just all the stuff that I'm doing. It's like, I have to be, um, on dominant. And then when I'm in my personal relationship, it's like, I just want to, be able to surrender. I don't want to have to be on. I don't want to have to be the one that's calling the shots on everything. It's like, fuck that. <laughs> you know, let me just chill out. And chill out isn't the right way because I still want to be like an active participant in the experience, but I don't want to have to be the one calling the shots. And that is why we see a lot of men that are you know, CEOs of companies or they're the partner at the law firm and they seek out dominatrixes that can submit them, right? So that way they can be the one that is able to receive rather than having to want be the one that's in control like they are in the rest of their life all the time. As Paul Giamatti's character plays, I mean, he's an extremely powerful man. Uh, in this role in the state of New York, and yet he brings the topic of being a sub uh, to popular culture, and more than chilling out, it really, it's a balancing out, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's definitely, there's a mind shift that occurs, and you're able just to uh, like, for me, the experience of it is there's a point where it shifts and I, I am able to get out of my head, right? The, my dominant has shifted, um, my experience of what's going on to a place where I am just fully in it. And like, I'm completely in my body, not in my head at all. And that's such a rare place to be for all of us in Western society, right? We're, we're always in our head. We're all like just constantly talking online, doing this, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, and to actually fully be in our bodies is really an amazing place to be. And BDSM can help people get there. Tantra does also, but I like, I like both. Like, even though I'm a tantrika and, you know, what I teach is Tantra. I definitely see the value that BDSM brings to people in the sexual space. 
Lynette from Fargo writes, Sarah, why is choking so erotic? So this comes often from a kink as well. Most of us have been raised with some sort of imprint that sex, sexuality is dangerous, right? Like if you have, if you were raised with any type of uh, religion, Christianity, um, or Islam, like you're going to have heard that it's sex is dangerous in some capacity. And so that danger aspect actually is connected to, um, our experience of sex. And so when we, it can, in some people, it can take the threat of danger to get turned on. And that's a kink that has occurred in a lot of people based on this ideology that it's dangerous to have sex. So, um, so that is why choking can be very, uh, you know, such a turn on for people and it's very popular, right? I mean, it's like almost common now for people to women to say they want to be choked in bed. Um, so it's kind of a funny thing, but I don't think most people understand really where that comes from. I, uh, posted a really funny meme, uh, that somebody sent me. (laughs) It says, if he has to ask you, if you want to be choked, he's not the right one. <laughs> oh yeah, I actually have that. I have that on my uh, jujitsu Instagram page. Like, if <laughs> I think it's um, yeah, yeah, something like that. If you have to ask him to choke you, he's not the one. He's not the one. And, That's right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that that is really funny. It is funny. And and, and, and there's a level you know, of truth there too, as any good humor will have. Yeah, and it's true, though, but it's something that a lot of guys struggle with. So even when women are asking them to dominate them, to choke them, to you know do whatever type of uh, BDSM play that they're wanting, guys have such a strong conditioning around what it means to to be with a woman that it's not okay to do these things. Like, that even when a woman is saying to them, choke me you know or like violate me or do these things many guys can't do it they have too hard of a time getting over their conditioning around what is right and what is wrong and so it's it's a dynamic that um people like myself i'm seeing uh ohm is seeing this when he works with clients as well um you know that women are or saying like, these are the things I want. And guys are saying, no, I can't give that to you. I just can't do it. So <laughs> it's one of those uh, kind of funny things is popping up in our culture. Who would have thought 50 years ago that we would be having this conversation? It's very interesting because obviously uh, slapping and violence and choking men to women has run its way throughout history, but not in the bedroom so much. And now, obviously, that is completely unacceptable in real life, if you will. Not that sex is in real life, but you know what I'm saying. And yet, guys, our gender throughout human history had no problem abusing women. (laughs) But but now the women want it, some of them, like yourself, in their lovemaking, and guys are having trouble with it. It's incredible when you think about it. Yeah, well, and in... Like, so BDSM play has shown up for a long time. Like, it's even in the Kama Sutra, there are um, references to play, um, like scratching, biting. Uh, I don't remember exactly, but it talks about like with a willing participant in, you know, using it to turn people on. So it's actually been around for a long time. It's not like this new thing. Uh, But yeah, it's just whenever you learn how to use it to, you know, follow your turn on, it's one of those things, follow your pleasure in life, right? Follow your turn on, go where it leads, get out of your head about the rights and the wrongs of it. You're too consenting to or more consenting adults, um, you know, enjoy yourself, enjoy your pleasure, enjoy your sexuality. It doesn't 
mean that there's something weird or fucked up with you psychologically if you're enjoying things like this. When you say, which is one of your great uh, slogans and taglines for this show and your practice, get out of your story, get into your body, Is how much is it like eliminating an old tale, an old story, and embracing or writing a new one associated with what's happening in your body? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's the old stories that keep us from change, that keep us from progress, that keep us from, you know, being these new and interesting people. Who wants to read the same story over and over and over again, right? It gets boring. It's, I want something new. I want something fresh. And that's a big part of why relationships fail is because people forget about themselves or they choose to not change or make any changes in their own life because they want to somehow preserve the relationship. They're afraid that if they change or if their partner changes, then they're not, the relationship will change and they're afraid of the relationship changing, that it may not survive change. And then they sabotage themselves because people get bored and they don't want to be in that anymore. And so it's the same, it's just like the rest of life. Like you've got to keep being an interesting person. And part of being an interesting person is continuing to create a new story. Like, you know, if I was like <laughs> posting the same freaking photo on Instagram every day, like no, nobody would be interested. Right. I've got to, well, it, it, well, it depends which picture. I mean, there's one picture <laughs> of you that you could post every day. And I don't think anybody would ever get bored of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I disagree. They'd be like, all right, Sarah fucking Rose, get a new photo. <laughs> all right. Get out of the bathtub with all the roses. We need something new. That's what you're saying. <laughs> All right. Well, so give they, us do, a, they do tend to like the ass shots quite a bit. Yeah, and r- really, who can blame them? <laughs> All right. So give us a little uh, tutorial, a little uh, choking one hundred and one, a la Sarah Rose. Uh, choking one hundred and one. Oh, uh, well. Okay. First, let me tell you a funniest story. So this just happened on a couple days ago in class. All right. Hold, 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 hold on. We need the official story time with Sarah Rose. Okay. Okay. Because this is a major segment of the program now. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's story time with Coach Sarah. <laughs> okay, Coach Sarah. I want to be Professor Sarah. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's story time with Professor Sarah. <laughs> there we go. I feel more official now. <laughs> okay, so this is funny. I've got, um, like, one of the guys that I train with, he's a purple belt, and he's one of my favorite to roll with because we just, I just laugh, you know, and, like, it's it's just a, I have a fun interaction with him, and so I always, like, tell him when I get on the mat, I'm like, you know I only come here to get choked, right? <laughs> And so, and then when it's time for me to actually do live roll with him, I'm like, all right, you ready to choke me? And so we just kind of have a funny dynamic and he does, he always chokes the fuck out of me. And this time, um, so when you're doing jujitsu, there's two types of chokes. Like, um, if you're blocking the blood flow on the, uh, carotid arteries on the sides of the neck, then that's a blood choke. Um, or if it's an air choke, if you're like choking the trachea, like the front of the neck. And so the, an air choke, you actually feel like you're choking. It's like, like you can feel it, but a blood choke is a lot more subtle. Like it kind of sneaks up on you and just kind of like the black starts to creep in. (laughs) And so that's what happened to me in class. So I didn't really like, I noticed that he had the choke, you know, but, and I was trying to get out of it and I felt like I was okay. And then next thing I know, like here comes like the black creeping in around my face around like his face and it literally like comes in from the side and he's in front of me and I could see him in front of me and his face is just starting to get smaller as like (laughs) the black crowds in and I at first like I didn't even really realize what was happening and in jujitsu we just tap uh you know for them to stop what they're doing and so I could have just tapped but like I was already starting to be like 
lose it kind of. And so I didn't even really have like the thought of like, okay, I, I don't, I di didn't know where to tap him at or anything. And then my, I just had this um, automatic reaction. I did not think at all. My arm shot up straight. I like palmed him right between his eyebrows and like knocked him back. I went, bam, <laughs> just knocked him with my hand. And it was so funny. Like he let go instantly, of course. And like all the colors started coming back in and I was woozy for a bit after, but I was also laughing so hard because he was like, what the hell did you do that for? And like, <laughs> I was like, I was about to black out, but I was cracking up. So yeah, you can uh, definitely be, you got to be trained when it comes to choking. You don't want to actually cause somebody to lose consciousness because that can be a really bad thing. So in all of this play, remember that it's also be very serious and you can uh, cause someone some damage if you're not careful. Um, I remember Ohm talking about that when I did a training with him, you know, he's like, yeah, like we're, we're here for sexual play, but you got to know what you're doing as well. So, uh, don't just definitely don't just go out there and start choking people, uh, to a point where you make them black out. Um, but you had a specific question for me around that. What was it? Well, which is the, 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 uh, choking 101, just the basics that I think that pr probably don't kill anybody. That's number one. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we, we, if people freak out about this, but when you think about it, any sex at all can be damaging. I mean, if the vagina and the vulva isn't properly moist, you could rip somebody open. Uh, guys break their dick sometimes. Right. I mean, you think, well, how can you break a dick? There's no bone in there. and But it's, there's like a bone, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Have, have you ever talked to a guy who's broken his dick? I have. Oh, my I know. God. It's like, ugh, I can't. It makes my whole body get really icky. <laughs> so my, I, I have a brother-in-law whose wife broke his dick. Oh my god! And couldn't have sex for a year and a half. She was she was on top, and she went a little too aggressive. Oh, so man. even that, you've got to be wise and on top of your game, so to speak. So whether it be choking or spanking or, uh, I mean, any BDSM or any kind of sexual activity, you gotta have your head about you, so to speak. I mean, really. Right. But, it, but, if, but if people want to get into spanking and BDSM and choking, well, first of all, of course, there's a massive amount of information out there. And, but if they haven't done any of it before, they haven't even, I mean, I'll, I'll tell some of my clients, you know, spank. And they're like, really? I was like, yeah. They've never spanked their wives or their girlfriends. And I was like, just spank. Just like, you know, from doggies out, Boom. And they'll do it very lightly. I said, I'm telling you, at the height of sexual arousal, something that would potentially really hurt feels amazingly pleasurable a lot of times. What is the thing, Sarah, that's such a fine line in those situations between pleasure and pain? Why are they, why are they so closely associated, do you think? Uh, well, I mean, with that, I would say like with the spanking, it's good to start out light, you know, and then build up to it. And also, um, like after doing some of the harder impact to definitely like with the submissive, like soothe the submissive, that's an important part of it. Like any of this impact play or play that's, you know, higher intensity, the soothing component of it is just as important as the intense component of it. Like when I'm working with Ohm, like he is soothing me as often as it, there is any type of the um, more intense play going on. So that's a really important component to remember and don't you know skip over that at all. Uh, but as far as why they are so closely connected, 
Uh, I think it's just the intensity. That's, at least for me personally, the intense experience of it uh, helps with bring you into the present moment. And that present moment is where the, the pleasure really is. And there's nothing better to bring us into the present than pain, right? Like if you're in pain, all of your, all of your focus, all of your attention is going to go towards the pain. You're definitely not going to be thinking about paying the bills or going grocery shopping. If you're in pain, you're thinking about what is happening right now in my body. And that is where the height of our sexual pleasure is. It's in the body. It's right now in the present moment. And that's how what I teach people in Tantra is how to tap into that present moment. I give them the tools, the breath, the focus, the sound, the movement, these things that they can use in sex. So that way they can be very present and really expand their sensations. Um, In BDSM, it's just using pain to facilitate that. Frank from Lake Tahoe writes in and says, Sarah... Do fetishes always involve sexual activity? Uh, Fetishes do, they always involve sexual activity. So a fetish is when there's something that typically would not be considered sexual, um, but it has been, um, it's been sexualized. So it doesn't, necessarily a fetish like somebody can have a foot fetish and they've sexualized feet um but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be interacting with the foot in a sexual way so that answers this question yeah well so, so sometimes it could but oftentimes it doesn't right we went to uh cover the uh fetish con here in saint pete a couple months ago that was eye-opening Oh, yeah. to, to be around all these people that are into kink on every single level. And we interviewed uh, a couple of dominatrix. And I said, how many fetishes are there? And they said, there's a fetish for everything. Yeah. They said, we could, you could never exhaust the list of fetishes that people have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's one of the things that I've really loved in my Instagram series that I'm doing now is I'm just asking questions about these things and people are sharing their answers and it just allows everyone to see that they're not the only one. Yes. They, you know, that there are so many other people out there that have these unique um desires as well you know because so many people think like oh i'm the only one i get this message from guys all the time i know i'm the only one that i know i'm the only one that has experience i know i'm the only one that wants you know and it's like no actually you're not (laughs) there are a lot of other people out there sending me these same messages and so it's been a lot of fun to uh to see the responses that I'm getting and to share them. And then the feedback that I get from the shares of like, damn, wow, that's cool. I didn't know that, you know, without without revealing any source, obviously, what would be something that a guy would share with you that comes to mind that says, I know I'm the only one that has this. And yet you you've heard about from many, many guys. Well, I mean, this one's just, this one's pretty common actually, but uh, just the guys thinking that they're the only ones with delayed ejaculation, like that is something that most guys think that they're the only ones. They think all the other guys are either ejaculating just fine or they're having premature ejaculation and they're like, they think they're the only ones that have a struggle with ejaculating. So that one comes up a lot. I mean, that's not a kink or a fetish, but it is one that comes up a lot. The sex stallion training deals with that, I would imagine, in a a very powerful way. So, yeah, I mean, sex stallion training is going to help a guy connect to that area of his body. Uh, Also, I have testicle massage video called... um, that's it's only for members though so guys won't actually see it if they just go to the site they have to um have they have to be a client of mine through either sex stallion training or man on fire to get it but the testicle massage really helps a guy 
to connect with that part of his body again because whenever there's been any sort of um, idea that there's something wrong with his cock or his testicles then most guys will disassociate from that part of their body which makes it worse you know almost like oh my god there's something wrong with my dick I just don't even want to think about it I want, don't want to touch it you know and um, that disassociation can make it worse and so all the practices I do with guys really help them reconnect in a positive holistic way with their cock with their testicles uh, so that way like they're bringing their energy they're bringing their focus they're bringing life back to that part of their body there's a fetish we learned for small penis shaming guys pay women to embarrass them about the size of their cock. Yeah. Why? Uh, I don't know why, but that came up in one of the, uh, the stories this week as well. Um, I asked a guy, uh, or I, asked, I can't remember what the question was, but it was something about what has been your kinkiest experience maybe. And some guy wrote that a nurse uh, giggled and laughed about how small his penis is while giving him a hand job. And like, he really likes that. Like that really turns him on, you know? And like, that's his thing is for like really tall women to make fun of him and shame him for having a small penis. So, you know, I don't know exactly where that kink comes from, but he's learned how to embrace it and find pleasure in it. And, you know, I, I'm like, good for you. You know, <laughs> like, most guys are sitting around crying because they feel like their penis is too small. They're not necessarily crying, you know, but like, at least this dude, he's like, hey, like, I'm going to have fun with this. And he's found a way to to enjoy his sexuality. How pervasive is that? The guys are just obsessed with the size of their package. Oh my God. I feel like it's the biggest thing. I mean, I even think like even guys with big dicks are obsessed with it. Like it's, I feel like all guys are obsessed with the size of their cocks. Like, you know, just learn how to use it. Whatever you have, use it well, because I've had sex with guys that have had huge dicks that didn't know how to use them. And they were so boring. So, you know, it, while different women have different preferences, I'm not saying like cock size doesn't matter because to some women it does, but to other women it does not. And we're all shaped different. You know, penises are a different size and shape. Vaginas are a different size and shape. Like just find your perfect match. right? But in the meantime, learn how to fucking use it. You know, like it's really, honestly, it's really rare to find a guy that, is just a master in bed that knows how to satisfy a woman regardless the size of his dick. Tantra goes a long way in helping that. A lot of times guys forget that, yes, they have a penis, but they forget they've got a mouth, tongues, hands, feet. I mean, vibrators available. Be a little creative, fellas. Jesus. I know. Dildos, strap-ons. <laughs> Keep going, Sarah. <laughs> how often uh do you recommend got fists <laughs> fists how often do you recommend uh couples mixing it up with kink or with the strap on or whatever how, how critical is that to have it be a frequent part of their play i think it's a very important part of the play so even if you're not necessarily going into using paddles or whips or ball gags or you know any of that type of thing having polarity in the bedroom is absolutely vital so you've got to learn how to have a dominant submissive relationship in the bedroom right connection and intimacy occur when we are eye to eye but polarity occurs when there is domination and submission happening. And so you have to learn how to mix them up. I love it when couples use their tantric practices to come together, to 
create the intimacy, the trust, the bonding. Um, and then like from that space, move into an area where there is polarity, because if you're just going to be eye to eye, if there's just this equality, just this egalitarian space, it's going to fall flat in the bedroom. So um, that's an important aspect for couples to learn in order to keep their sex lives vibrant. How far gone uh, would, ha- would a couple have to be uh, for them to come to you or a guy in a relationship that you would not be able to help them? If, let's, say, or let's say if a couple hasn't had sex in a year or in five years, how effective would the training be for sexless couples, if you will? It doesn't really matter. Like, that's not the issue. The issue is the willingness on the part of the couple. And too many people are unwilling to let go of their stories and actually come into the present moment. So if a couple has had attraction for each other at one point, like if when they first met, there was attraction there, that attraction can be revived. But it's not going to be revived if if neither if one or both people aren't willing just to move into what's available right now so it doesn't matter if it's been a month it doesn't matter if it's been five years are you willing to show up today and experience like, all the greatness that's available right now you know you're not the same person you were five years ago grow the fuck up get the training you need and have a relationship that you desire and if not move on and you know Hopefully you can find it with someone else, but you're probably not going to if you stay stuck in those same stories. Luke from Tallahassee writes, uh, Sarah, my wife uses sex as a weapon. What can I do? <laughs> a weapon in which way? <laughs> I, I, I'm inferring that uh, she withholds sex as she a weapon. Holds, oh, she withholds it. That's, that's, what I, that's what I'm taking. Yeah, I mean, so... What to do here? I get questions a lot from guys. My wife does this or she won't do this. How do I change her? You can't change her. You can only change yourself, right? And so do your own work. Get in a program like Man on Fire that's really going to show you your darkness or shadow places that you need to see. And you rise up. You be a better man. You learn how to be able to satisfy women on an emotional level, um, on a physical level. And, you know, you invite her into this place with you, but you can't control her. Many times women will see that their guy is doing some sort of training and they'll get curious, but they will test him even harder because they don't believe that he's actually going to make lasting change happen in his life. Oh, this is just a phase. He's just going to go back to how he was before. So they may actually be harder on the guy at first, you know, to see like if he's actually got the goods, right? Or if he's just going to go back. And so, you know, it really comes down to men finding their truth in themselves, like really being strong in who they are, being very sovereign and not being swayed by what's happening in the relationship. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people give up on a relationship before they actually will do the work that is there to be done in themselves. And you can never force anyone else to come along with you, but you can invite them and that's the best you can do. As you're doing the work, Luke, or whoever's listening, uh, your significant other actually might be doing you a favor in a way because because you can do your own work and the pressure's not on to have to impress or to satisfy before you've met a breakthrough. Yeah. that's it's. I mean, you, listen, you can always look at things from two vantage points. There's two sides of every coin. The glass is half full or half empty. And if uh, sex is being withheld, as Sarah said, get on it and work on yourself without the pressure of having to perform. That's not such a a bad thing necessarily. Right. And, you know, in my programs, I'll have you enjoying yourself every single day. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very good point. (laughs) 
maybe multiple times a day. Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, get back to uh, what you were doing before the show. <laughs> <laughs> Some people don't even know what BDSM stands for and, and what that uh, means. Okay, so bondage, domination, masochism, sadism. Sadism, masochism. BDSM. Oh, okay, Sam. BDS. Okay. Sorry. I mean, I, yeah. obviously, but <laughs> hello. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'm sure everybody wants to take care of themselves now or, or with their partner. And, uh, <laughs> That's Sarah's story, and she's sticking to it. <laughs> that's, that's who, 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 who's, who does your uh, responses to the, your followers' stories on Instagram? Because they're almost as beautiful and classic as the actual responses uh, that you're getting. Dude, I'm fucking doing all of those. Those graphics are you? <laughs> wow. My, uh, yeah, my Instagram accounts, those are my baby. Like, I never let... Well, I should say never, but 90% of the time that is me on Instagram because that's my direct connection with, you know, all the fans, followers, like, and I like to be the one who's actually there connecting with these people. So there are, there are definitely times where like I may be going some through something and I've got to put all my attention somewhere else on a, you know, project that I'm working on and someone will step in for me temporarily. But on Instagram, most of the time that is me there. Some of your graphics and responses to the responses you're getting to your questions are absolutely hilarious. I mean, it's so creative. And I think it says a lot about you as a coach and as a lover and as a friend, and as a member of society, you can make, Sarah has the ability to take any situation or any comment and turn it into something uh, of a, a pleasure or life-giving. That's, that's a hell of a attribute. That's for sure. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, all right. So, <laughs> so you, you, you got to go to the uh, Tantric Activation on the Instagram or uh, Sarah Jiu-Jitsu. Sarah Rose Jiu-Jitsu. That's, that's what I was about to say. Sarah Rose Jiu-Jitsu <laughs> on Instagram. And you can follow both because th there's different questions and different emphasis, obviously, between Tantric Activation and Sarah Rose Jiu-Jitsu. And uh, she's on Facebook and TantricActivation.com. And, of course, the, the program's Man on Fire, uh, Sex Stallion Training, and a Pussyology. You can't beat that. Can't beat that. Get on it, lovers. All right. Well, we will do it again all next time. We've got a, a question here. Will you cover the topic of pornography? Oh, absolutely. All right. I so, love porn. We'll talk about that anytime. Ooh, good <laughs> podcast tease. Sarah loves porn. That's her story. My name's Glenn Clyde.